Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Good morning, everybody. I hope everyone's doing well. God is moving today. I don't know if you can get that. We had a powerful time of prayer before the meeting today. Just as encouragement, it's open to everybody. From 10 o'clock, we're gathering in this place, praying before the meeting, and just surrendering it all to before God. I think so easy we can be quick to just try and take the lead when we should just humble ourselves before him and allow him to minister to us and direct us. And this morning, we're just believing that. And I already, I think we're, we're seeing it already. He's speaking to us. He's moving amongst us. And I hope you're encouraged today because he is ministering to us, even as we're gathered here today, doing something. And I'm, I'm just so believing that we're just, there's more coming. It's not, there's more coming. I mean, yes, I've prepared but he's the one that's going to speak. You know, and I'm just surrendering this to him. It's in his hands and believing that what will be, what will be, will be. God is going to speak. He's going to move. He's going to challenge our hearts today. So I hope you're ready this morning because I, I firmly believe we're just going to... Today's a turning point. Amen. Yeah? No matter what you've been up to up until this moment... Today is where the tide turns, and whether you're new here or you're visiting, this is a message for you. For Centre Church, this is a message for us. The time is now to step into the next thing God has for us. It's not, yes, yes, we're believing for a pastor, but it's not restricted on a pastor. It's one, one facet of who we are as a church. We are one body. We all have many parts. And we all have a part to play. It's time to get off our seat and do the work for God. Amen. Yes? And so I'm going to bring a close to our series. We've been looking in Jonah, the book of Jonah, the last eight weeks. Lorraine, you can put it up behind me. There we are. Last time you're going to see this lovely image behind me. <laughs> Jonah, we've been looking at. Closing our series, looking in the final chapter. Last week, I did this big recap over all the weeks up to that point. I'm not going to do a recap today. You can catch up on our messages online. But last week, I was bringing this message as we were looking into the final uh, chapter in Jonah about the anger that Jonah had or displayed towards God and still towards the people of Nineveh. The deception of his emotions were evident, essentially how he was wishing God was not so good. I found that amazing. He recounted God's character and it was almost stating, I kind of wish you weren't like that in this situation. And as I was just trying to encourage us through that message and challenge us in how we can sometimes allow our emotions to rise up, deceive us and blind us from God's heart for others. His Greatness revealed to others. And so I'm not going to read the entire chapter again, but just focusing on a few points today as we bring it to a close. Jonah 4, verse 2, it will come up behind me. You see this prayer that he prayed before the Lord. He goes, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? 
That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Powerful statements. Today, we're looking at God who is compassionate. God who is compassionate. The whole of Jonah, I believe the whole of Jonah, can be summed up as a revelation to God's people of his sovereign power and loving concern for all of his creatures, for all of creation. God was revealing to Jonah and the Israelites whom Jonah represented that he loves other nations than their own. It's not just about you. And I think Jonah, if we're honest, Jonah can represent most of us. I'm going to be the first to put my hand up here. Displaying a typical attitude people tend to have towards nations or people, they have no reason to love themselves. They're so far apart. You see in the news these situations and things going on across the globe and it's so far removed. There was almost like it's so hard to love in that moment because you have no perception perspective of what's going on but God is a compassionate God if he cares about it his creation we should care about it as his church one of the examples I put down here is about being patriotic can we can be very patriotic patriotic if you love sport like I like sport isn't it amazing we have a big sporting event we're just side away from the rugby world cup that's going on and You know, when England are playing, suddenly it's like, yes, go England. And that, all that matters. Every other nation at work in that competition, no, they're not as good as England, we're the best. (laughs) You know, we may not have won a Football World Cup since 1966, but we're still the best football club in the world. (laughs) We can be very patriotic with these things, right? But it can extend beyond this, and we can have perceptions of different things in life and don't realize what we're casting out, what our perceptions are of those situations. And what we see in this final chapter, what we see God doing with uh, Jonah was using a physical, there, there was a physical illustration here that God used to speak to his heart, to try and bring out what his attitude was. We must be aware that some things we experience in life could be God's method of getting our attention or teaching us his heart in or for a certain situation. God did it here through the vine. He did it earlier in the storm to Jonah, getting his attention. And maybe he's doing the same with us. Maybe you're walking through something. You think, why am I walking through this? Maybe God is trying to get your attention. Jonah went through it all. Four chapters we've got here, and what a dramatic account it is. This man that ran away from the Lord, God who used the storm, a big fish that swallowed him, led to his repentance, that eventually led to his obedience, albeit reluctant obedience. And like I said, in this moment, it's through the use of a vine to get his attention. 
And a few things I want to bring to the forefront this, this morning is that, is that what we see is Jonah's lack of co- compassion is displayed. Jonah's lack of compassion is displayed. He had a knowledge of who God was. He recounted it in his prayer. He knew who God was. And what we see he recounted, we see in other areas of Scripture. I've, brought them up, I've got them up behind me in Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Again, Psalm 145, verses 8 to 9. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. And these verses we see just here, these two are classic expression of praise for the character of God. Praise for who he is. And these are God's motivating attitudes in how he shows his greatness to others. He shows his greatness through compassion. He shows his greatness by being slow to anger. He shows his greatness by abounding in love. That is who he is. And other than Jonah and these two Psalms, we see the same statements in four other places in the Old Testament. They're going to come up behind me. Exodus 34, 6, and he, God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Slow to anger, abounding in faithfulness. Numbers. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Next slide. Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Joel 2.13. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Does this not sound familiar? Are we not seeing this through Jonah? Jonah had knowledge of God, but though he knew who God was in his head, his heart did not reflect that knowledge. He knew it, but he didn't live it out. And even though Jonah finally went where God told him to go and did what God told him to do, in his heart, he had abandoned his ambassadorial calling. He just could not see it the way that God was saying. A reminder from a point that I shared from last week, we can do the will of God without doing it with the right attitude. And we see in Jonah 4 that God used a physical illustration to explore Jonah's heart. God displayed compassion to Jonah still in this moment, being slow to anger to Jonah, rather being gracious to him to try and reveal how Jonah himself was lacking compassion to others whom God cared for. And so we're going to read it. It's already there behind me. Verses 5 to 8. Jonah went out and sat down in a place east of the city, There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. 
But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah's compassion, in other words, kind-heartedness or joy, shown towards the vine was out of selfish reasons. He only liked the vine, what the vine was doing there, because it served his own benefit. It masked, or should I say, it was supporting his comfort. He was out there wanting, to, looking upon the city to wait to see what happened. And God made this vine grow up over him and it gave him shade and he was happy about the vine. I've got shade now. That's great. Uncomfortable. I'm very comfortable. But he gets angry when the plant dies because it's inconvenienced him. Have you been inconvenienced before? Have you been annoyed when you've been inconvenienced? Even our best intentions, this is a challenge, even our best intentions can be masked by selfishness. For example, I will do this as long as I benefit from it. I'll do this as long as I get this from it. I won't serve because I won't get recognition for serving. I won't do this because that's a lot to give, and I'm not, there's not much I'm going to gain from doing it. And I think that Jonah's love in this situation was misplaced. It's for himself above all else. Anything that comes between this forces his displeasure. I was uncomfortable, so I, I would rather die. Oh, Jonah, how dramatic you are. <laughs> I'd rather die. And to reveal Jonah's lack of compassion, God dealt with him as any other person. He exposed him to pleasures and discomforts that everyone faces and made him see that Jonah's theology made him no more compassionate than anyone else. You are only compassionate when it serves yourself. That's essentially what Jonah was trying to reveal to him. If you benefit from it, that's the only reason that you're showing compassion. And again, what I want to highlight here is that knowledge of the sovereign, compassionate God, whom he feared, should have made Jonah more submissive to God's will, more compassionate to other people, and more respectful of God. Yet Jonah's own comfort, well-being, wants and desires were more important to, more important to Jonah than sharing in the compassion God had for other people, sharing in God's compassion for the Ninevites. And the question for you and I is, are we more concerned about ourselves than we are for others? Are we more concerned about ourselves than we are for others? Are we more concerned about our own well-being than the well-being of others? As a church, we need to intentionally care for one another, and through this intention for one another, it extends out to those in our community. It's not limited to just being in the church body. 
I think that can be a mistake. We can meet in our, dare I say, our holy huddles and forget there's a community of people that need to know the compassion of God. Jonah's lack of compassion is, revealed, is displayed, but what we do see is God's compassion revealed. God's compassion revealed. And it's in the final two verses that we see here. Verses 10 and 11. But the Lord said, You have been so concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about this great city? Should I not be concerned? God was revealing to Jonah in this moment how out of harmony with his own heart the prophet was. Even though Jonah was obedient, God was contrasting Jonah's attitude with his own. You've been obedient, yes. You finally finally got here, Jonah. It took a storm. It took a big fish. But you're doing what I, I instructed you to do, but you're doing it reluctantly. You're not all in. You're still, there's something holding you back. The big challenge here, and I'm going to say this as a church as a whole, not just limiting it to us, a universal church. In some, in some places, God's people are more concerned about the material benefits so freely bestowed upon us by God than about the destiny of the lost world. God, you bestow so many blessings upon me. Thank you for that. And we can pray these prayers, and it's important to thank him. Of course it is. But we must be careful not to become so inward-focused we see the outward call of the gospel message. So long as I'm okay, that's the main thing. I'll care for others once I'm myself and sorted. These things I'm stating, by the way, are things that I've had to navigate through myself. Growing up in faith, coming to faith in God. So long as I'm okay, that's the main thing. I'll care for others once I'm myself sorted. I need to get myself sorted first and then I can do it. I myself haven't yet received the blessing of God, so why should I be a tool of God's blessing for someone else? forgetting that maybe by being a tool of God's blessing for someone else, you yourself are blessed. One step further is to state that, and I want to say this to us, it's important that we do not hide our needs and circumstances from one another. I know church people that we're all walking through something. We're all walking through life. We're all journeying through life. Some of us are, ex- are experiencing more hardships, more challenges at the moment, and we're keeping it to ourselves. The church is meant to be compassionate to one another, bearing with one another. We are. That's what the church is for. As a leadership, in this, as one of the leaders in this church, as the oversight, we're here for your care. That you're not on your own. That you know there are people that can stand with you in prayer. I can come alongside you and say, you're not alone. You're struggling, I feel it. 
I come alongside you and encourage you and spur you on. Point you back to God. But as a church, it's important that collectively we're not ending up as a Jonah and just think about ourselves, but rather then we just allow that to propel us forward into our communities. Yeah? In 2 Peter 3 verse 9, it says this. I think it's the next slide. Thank you, Lorraine. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is God's desire, even though some will still not choose to respond to the gospel. We are called to be his hands and feet, to go and share the compassionate heart of God, the merciful heart of God, the gracious heart of God to others. Not everybody will respond, but we still do it. God sincerely, I believe, I firmly believe, God sincerely desires that every person will come to him and repent and be saved. That everybody will come into right standing with him. He is concerned about his creation. And if they would do as the people of Nineveh did, take their situation seriously and humbly and sincerely repent of their ways, he would show compassion towards them. But it's not restricted to unbelievers. It's also for you and I as well. Because whoever we're honest with ourselves, we, stum- we can stumble and fall. I don't have it. All- I'm not perfect. Oh, I wish I was. <laughs> but I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I make mistakes. And daily I find myself coming to God saying, God, I made a mistake here. My attitude wasn't right. I saw this in the wrong way. I haven't allowed you enough space today. I've kind of kept you on the sidelines. And I need to come to you and say, I'm sorry. Show me a better way. And what we see in this final chapter is through God's word is that the people of Nineveh, he said, did not know their right, that's my left hand, the right hand from the left. (laughs) From your perspective, it's the right perspective, right? The right hand from the left. They didn't know their right hand from their left. They lacked knowledge, operating in moral ignorance. How much is this true of the people in our world? In our society, in our surrounding communities? I would almost think of it as sheep following the loudest voice. The loudest voice people will follow. Okay, that sounds good, I'll go in that way. Oh, that sounds good, I'll go in that way. Oh, this is the main thing today, okay, I'll go in that way. And I think, and I believe, it's time that the church, as God's representative, becomes the loudest and most prevalent voice in society again. We've been too quiet. It's about time we stepped up to the plate. Not allowing the world to influence our thoughts, our attitudes and beliefs, but being the mouthpiece of God through compassion to go as God says go, to do what God says do, extending his hand of compassion to others and say, turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. And I was thinking about this when I was reading through this. I was thinking we normally have compassion on those with whom we identify closely. Right? People we know, our friends, our families, we have compassion to the people we know. 
But God reveals a higher call. He has compassion on people who are helpless spiritually and do not know him. He gave the people every chance to repent by sending Jonah. And when they did, he relented and showed compassion. He could have wiped out Nineveh just like that. But he didn't. He sent Jonah. Yes, there was work to do in Jonah as well. Jonah had to get his heart right because he couldn't see it. But Jonah still shared that message. And the people took their situation seriously and repented and came back to God. And he relented from sending his judgment and anger on them and extended a hand of compassion. That's how good God is. I mean, yes, I actually, I do put myself in Jonah's shoes and think that's a lot to try and comprehend. Because in our own hearts, sometimes we cannot comprehend the things of God. Why do you spend a hand of compassion that people don't want nothing to do with you? But if only they, you would be the voice that would share it, they would hear it, and they could turn back to him. John 10, verses 9 to 10. Jesus' word here. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and out and go and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What fullness of life is found in God alone. And I want to be the first to say, God, I'm sorry when I've, my focus has been misplaced, that I think I can find fullness of life in something else other than you. I think we, as a church, we can do the same. You know, life is tough. It is. But we must always allow God into the, cent- into the center. Jesus came to give life, not to take it. He not, he, Jesus not only came to bring spiritual life to people, but he came to bring the best quality of life to them. The best quality of life. God could have wiped away Nineveh with one breath, but he extended compassion. Should I not be concerned about this great city? Should I not be concerned? And I think you, you look at the invitation of God to new life, and for others, they think it's just a bunch of rules and regulations. I know maybe we've all thought that when we first came to God. It's just rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. Can't do this. Can't do that. God, there's nothing I can do. It's a challenge. But it's a perspective shift. Because then you realize these are protective things that God has put in place. So that we, the best quality of life is found in him when we walk with him not being swayed to the left or not right, not allowing other things to turn our attention away from him. He is the center. And so the final point, our mandate as a church and as people of God is to be compassionate. I want to put, it's a very long quote, but I want to put it up. Um, God is saying to a great many people today, I want you to go and take the word of God to those who are lost. And these people say, but I don't love them. I don't love them. 
God says, I never asked you to love them, I asked you to go. I cannot find anywhere that God ever asked Jonah to go because he loved the Ninevites. He said, Jonah, I want you to go because I love them. I love the Ninevites. I want to save the Ninevites. And I want you to take the message to them. Now we know in God's word it says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We are still to extend his hand of love, but that is also through compassion. Compassion is another way we show love to people. And in our hearts, it may be difficult to love people emotionally, but love is more than just an emotion. Love is a choice. Compassion is a choice. And I think we can sometimes become so inward focused that we neglect our outward mandate. God wanted to use Jonah to reach a nation, a people outside of Israel's borders. And in doing so, he was showing that his compassion and mercy was not limited to one group of people, but that he cares for all of his creation. We must too. Like I said, if God cares, as his church, as his hand and feet, we must also care. If we turn to Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter 4, reading through to 5, verse 2. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are first and foremost to be compassionate to one another. That's his church. But then we are to go and extend this compassion to others we encounter in this world. What was first, we first received ourselves is not just for us, it's for others as well, to hear and to know. We must never let our concern for the welfare of God's people keep us from reaching out with the message of hope to those who oppose us. There's people that are going to oppose us. There are going to be people in this world that are not going to get it, but we still extend a hand of compassion. And I get 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 4. A lot of scripture today. I think it's the next slide, Lorraine. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. See, this communicates the idea of one person standing on, alongside another in order to encourage and support others. Can't we come alongside one another? The Father of all compassion has extended his compassion towards us, of which we are comforted. Are you not comforted by the compassion of God? And we are not to keep it for ourselves, but to show it to others. Center Church, even guests today, we are called to extend his compassion to others. It's time to look out. And like I said at the beginning of this series, introducing this whole series to us, 
I believe that God is in the restoration business. He's in the restoration business. From the fall of man right through to revelation, God has a plan of restoration for his creation. He does. Christ on the cross, no greater picture is that. Something I would never fully comprehend this side of heaven. Christ on the cross that paved the way so that we can step in new life in him. I believe God has a restoration plan for Centre Church that is not limited to Centre Church. If you're a guest here, and I'm talking to individuals as well, I believe God has a restoration plan for you that is not limited to you. But it will flow through us out to others who themselves, if they take their situation seriously, will respond as the Ninevites did and step into the compassion, mercy, forgiveness, and grace God has for them. Do we want to be a part of this? That's a call for us all. Do we want to be a part of God's restoration? Do we want to do our part? This is for all of us. Every single one of us, this is for us. And to sum up this series, and I want to get, I'll present you a few questions. Are you running from the call of God on your life? God is saying it's time to get up and go. Are you running away from that? I'm not ready, I can't do that. Things are not in place yet. My, my, may I encourage you, now is the time to turn back to God and run towards him. If he's calling you, listen. If he's saying go, go. If he's saying step up, step up. Are you walking through or experiencing a storm in your life at the moment? Perhaps God is trying to get your attention. Are you paying attention? Are you looking to God for guidance? Do you need to repent? I think it's an aspect that is not preached so often in church that needs to be. Do you need to repent? Jonah did, and God extended forgiveness and put Jonah right where he needed to be. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all need to repent of something. And as believers, we're not immune to making mistakes. We're not immune to making mistakes. As we come to him in repentance, his forgiveness is extended and we can step into the things he has. Do you struggle with obeying God? Are you all in or half in and half out? What do you want to be a part of? What you think you need or want or what God knows you need to do for his glory? What do you need? What do you think you need or want? Is that what you're struggling with? Or do you want to step into what God knows you need to do for his glory and for his, for his glory and for your benefit? Are you far from the Lord that you need to humbly act as the Ninevites did? Taking your situation seriously and responding in prayer, recommitting, turning your faith back to God.
Maybe there are some of us that feel on the fringes of our faith. May this be an invitation to say, come back to God. Invite him back in. Let him take the reins. Maybe your emotions have arisen to a point that you can't see beyond them. I shared that last week. On, thank you for sharing your testimony as well. Now is the time to question, confess, and surrender those emotions back to God. Don't allow your emotions to blind you from what God is doing. He knows us. God knows us. He knows what we're walking through. He knows those emotions. He knows that what we're walking through. And we just got to say, God, I'm struggling. I don't get it. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Allow God into the process. Maybe you lack compassion or struggle in sharing compassion with others. Or it could be as simple as saying, God, I want to be a part of your rest- restorative plans. I want to do my part. As Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Maybe that's what we need to declare today. Here I am, God, send me. This is for all of us. For us as a church, and I want to believe this, as I said at the start, I want to believe that today is the turning of the tide. As a church, collectively, let's step up together, all doing our parts together. It's not meant to be on a few, it's all of us. Being all in all. Extending his heart of compassion to others as well as each other. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.